So last week, if you were here on Easter Sunday, we began a series called Resurrection. And we talked about the topic of freedom, and Pastor Jack delivered a message on on what freedom is and what it means and what that entails. And one thing that we have to realize is that once we have encountered the freedom that Jesus has for us, there has to be a reigniting. And the reason there has to be a reigniting is because when you need to reignite something, it means one of two things. One, it slowly died out over time, or two, it's been snuffed out, and it's immediately been squashed. Sometimes, for us as Christ followers, when we encounter freedom, as Pastor Don mentioned a few moments ago, we encounter that breakthrough. There has to be a reigniting of our relationship with Jesus because something has been snuffed out. Something has slowly been smoldering and eventually has died out over time. And so today we're going to talk about that and what that really looks like. A few days ago on Wednesday night, we were up there at the summit for Rise, which is our youth ministry. And we were singing this song. And a lot of times I sing, but there was this one point in the song that I stopped because You know how sometimes we just sing the words, but we never really realize what we're singing just because maybe we like the song or we like the words or how it goes, but we never really tune in. For the first time, I tuned in to what those words were saying, and it was talking about setting a fire down in my soul, a fire that I can't contain, a fire that I can't control. And it was this heart's cry of saying, I want more of you, God. And so the entire song, I couldn't bring myself to sing it because I was so tuned into the wording. And I began to think to myself, gosh, am I really at that place with you, Jesus? Am I really at that place where I just want to say to you, set a fire down in my soul? Set a fire that I can't control? Set a fire and a hunger that I just want more and more of you, God? And then I began to think larger than that. I began to think about the students. And then I began to think about us as a community of faith. And I thought, gosh, what would it be like if our hearts cry? What if there was this reigniting today within us that was like, man, set a fire in my soul right now, God. Set a flame in my, in my spirit that cannot be controlled. That even in those moments that I, I want to suppress it because I'm more fascinated by sin in my life, I wanna suppress that flame. What What if we were overcoming that right now in this moment and we were reignited and it's this flame, it's this fire that's so deep in us, that's burning uncontrollably that we can't do anything to snuff it out. And what if our continuous heart cry is, I want more of you, God? Not just when it's convenient for me, not just when I feel like it, not just when I'm in crisis, but 24-7, I want more of you, God. What will that look like? What will it take? Well, it simply means this. Reigniting our passion for Jesus means loving him on his terms. It's kind of hard to get around that when you think about it. So I have a friend, 
and I see him every three weeks. And when I'm with him, we have some good conversations. And he was telling me, I said, so how you been? What's going on? He goes, oh, my family and I went on vacation. We had a good time and all this. I said, oh, yeah, you know, he said, yeah, we stayed in a hotel. And so he has this thing he calls the good guy discount. I don't know if any of you ever heard of the good guy discount, but I'm going to tell you about the good guy discount. He said, so my family and I were at this hotel and the lady at the desk, you know, she's telling us, hey, this is what your room is. This is where you're going to go. And you'll find towels and shampoo. And if you need anything, you just give us a ring and we'll be happy to accommodate you, so on and so forth. So then he ends with this. Well, do you have the good guy discount? She looks at him and says, I'm sorry, what's the good guy discount? He says, well, because I'm a good guy, I figure maybe there's a discount somewhere that you're willing to give me. And so I started laughing and, you know, so we got over the joke. And and then as I was going through this week and I was thinking about this, you know, when it comes to negotiating with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's impossible. Because there is no good guy discount with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to think about that for a moment. See, we're so set that that sometimes we think that if if we read our Bible just enough and if we pray enough and if we attend enough Sundays in a month, maybe we'll get the good guy discount. Or maybe if I give a little more in the offering, I'll get the good guy discount. Or maybe if, if I just ask the same thing in prayer over and over, I'll get the good guy discount. Just maybe somewhere the heart of God will move against scripture and I'll get the good guy discount. And we find that that doesn't happen with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because if you want to follow Christ, you got to follow him on his terms. We can't walk into the throne room of God and lay down the law. Throw out a bunch of names. Well, I know so-and-so. It doesn't work like that with God. And when it comes to loving Jesus, when it, when it comes to be, being reignited with passion for him, there is no negotiation. He's pretty clear because he wants us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And, and I want you to ponder that for a moment What does it look like to really love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength? What does that really entail? What does that really look like? When it comes to reigniting our passion with Jesus, he always brings us back to his terms. You can only get so far before he brings you back to the covenant agreement that you made. He did that with Israel. 40 years they wander in the wilderness. And just this last week, over that eight period days of Passover, they were celebrating their exodus out of Egypt, their freedom that the Lord had given them. And they were celebrating that. And and Israelites were released from Egypt And God tells them, I have a promise for you. I'm gonna send you to the promised land. But somehow something happened that it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. And I know there's many different stories about the promised land and the 40 years of wandering, but let's hone in on one specific thing right now this morning. That 40 years wasn't just about being stubborn. 
It was about God bringing Israel back to his terms to love him. It took them 40 years. God brought them through the desert for 40 years to say, guys, I am going to remove every Egyptian thought, every anti-Christ way of living that you have been subdued to and enslaved to, and I'm going to teach you for the next 40 years how to love on my terms. And I'm going to reignite a passion within you to what that really looks like. We can relate a lot to Israel. We can really relate a lot to those 40 years in the wilderness. And this is why he searches the earth for voluntary lovers. He searches for those that are willing to give up the deepest parts of their hearts to him because he's so in love with us. He's not looking for robots. Otherwise, when he made Adam and Eve from the beginning, they would have been with all kinds of gears on the inside. And all of us would be walking around here, mobile and doing the robot, and I'm not going to do it. Some of you are waiting for me to do it, and I'm not going to. But God doesn't want robots. He wants voluntary lovers. He wants those who are willing to love him back because he has first loved us. And that's what reigniting our passion for Jesus is all about. And that's what having this passion entails. And when it comes to reigniting our passion for Jesus, if you get anything today, get this. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. It's the first place that God starts with us. If you think about that, the whole process of salvation, the whole process of salvation starts with our heart. We have this encounter with God and something begins to happen on the inside of our heart that causes a change, that causes a desire, it causes a pulling in closer to him. And he starts with our heart. He doesn't start with our action. He starts with our heart. But that's how God designed it from the first place is he says, listen, I want you to get my terms of what it really means to love me. And I'm gonna start with your heart because our emotions will always follow our heart. If you think about that, our emotions will always follow our heart. We're gonna look at one scripture today because this sums it all up. One scripture, Jesus said, it is one of the greatest commandments and we're gonna find it in Mark chapter 12 today. Verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So here Jesus reminds not only his followers, but he reminds an entire nation. And then he reminds us over and over again about the terms that his father had presented to the earth long before Jesus's arrival. And then all the way before the earth even started, God had these terms already set in place. And Jesus just comes back and he reiterates it to us and says, listen, if you're gonna do anything, and your heart is going to be reignited, then you must love me with all of your heart. I really enjoy how leader and author Mike Bickle puts it. Jesus did not call it the first option, but the first commandment. How true that is, right? 
When it comes to terms, there are no options. It either is or it isn't. And that's the way it is with God. Reigniting our passion means loving him according to how he defines love. And, and this morning, if you're here and you're like, yeah, but pastor, look, I get it. I, I know how to love. I know how to, to love. Well, there's a difference between human love and godly love. And it's simply this. This is what separates the two. Human love is love without obedience to the word of God. See, let me, let me rephrase this. When you become a Christ follower, you live and breathe the word of God. You live and breathe the presence of Jesus. Therefore, your human love that you once knew must now be transformed into the love of God. And God teaches us how to love his way. The way he calls us to love our friends, our family, our spouses, that is the difference in the love of God. Humanistic love is always love without obedience to the word of God. Godly love is an abundance, abundant love that is always in line to the word of God. You can't separate the two. And this is why our culture is in trouble. Because they are trying to create love on their own terms by exiting out the love of God and obedience to his word. And that's not God's intention. If you wanna reignite your passion for Jesus and set your heart to God and your emotions will follow and align with that and you will begin to understand what it means to really love God with all of your heart. And I speak from experience on this, that it will take fierce dedication. Understand that, folks. Fierce dedication to passionately pursue God with all of your heart. It will not be easy. Following Jesus is not meant for those who are soft. Think about that for a moment. Yes, Jesus is loving and Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is a warrior. Jesus is a bridegroom. Jesus is a judge. But at the same time, there comes this point for our pursuit of the heart of God that we can no longer be soft in our seeking with Jesus. We have to radically pursue him and his heart if we want our heart to be reignited with his love. It's gonna take radical choices to remain passionate for Jesus. And having that deep passion for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is more than just heart because it's about our mind. You know, we've been blessed with this amazing tool that sits between our ears, right? It's this thing called our brain. And I don't have any scientific facts for you, so I'm not gonna bore you with that. I'm just gonna get straight to the truth. But this thing can be a blessing and it can be a curse, right? Because there's a constant battle going on. Because God calls us and he says, hey, give me your mind. I want you to love me with all of your mind. And then the enemy comes along and says, give me your mind. Because I want to pervert and twist everything that is in there. So you can live a life of decay and live a life of death 
and pain and suffering, all the opposite of what God intends for us to do. So there is this constant battle for ownership of our mind. And there are these moments that each one of us, no matter who we are, we find ourselves, whether it's daily, monthly, whatever, we find ourselves in this place where there's a battle for the mind. Because the enemy on one hand is striving to take territory. And on the other hand, God is striving for us to come into agreement with him so that he can gain the territory that he so longs to have. What we do with our mind greatly affects how we live as individuals. It greatly affects how we worship Jesus. If we choose to fill our mind with all of the right things, now I know this is elementary, but we got to get this. If we choose to fill our mind with the right things, then that causes our mind to surge with the things of God. But if we choose to fill our mind with the wrong things, then our mind is weakened and overtaken by the enemy. Think about that for a moment. Simple, right? Very elementary. Nothing super deep, but very elementary. But yet at the same time, we find ourselves in that battle constantly, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So how do we do it? How do we get that place where our mind is totally surrendered to God and that we love him with all of our mind? We have to fill our mind with the scriptures. The word of God is our life source. And if we're not attached to our life source, then we will slowly perish. Think about that for a moment. We have to be attached to those things that give us life. The reason we need to be so attached to the word of God is because it not only gives us life, but enables us to know the truth because the enemy battles for our mind with lies. And the only way to combat lies is with what? Truth, exactly. And the only place we can find that truth to combat the enemy is in his word, God's word. It's that washing of the word over our minds that we are empowered to refuse the lies of the enemy that come against us. Less time in the word only weakens our thought process. I'm going to step on some toes this morning, and if you know me, I'm going to tell you I don't care. (laughs) I got to say this, guys. Your 10-minute devotional every morning isn't cutting it. It's not going to work. It's not going to hold up in the long term. It's not going to make it to where God needs you to be. I remember my dad used to carry around these little note cards. That's one thing I always remembered about him. And I used to think, oh my gosh, my dad is so super spiritual. My dad's so religious. My dad's such a Jesus freak. I would used to say those things. And now, you know what, I long, I think about what my dad did and I long for the lifestyle that he lived. 
But he would carry around these little note cards and, and he would have a little hole punch on the corner and a little ring. And if we would stop at a red light, he'd pull that out of the dash and he'd put it on the steering wheel and he'd mutter to himself and he'd be talking. And then as soon as it turned green, he'd put it back down and he'd drive. Kind of like what we do today. We pull out our phone, right, at the, at the red light. Well, he would pull out his note cards and And what I found out was even those moments when he was in the hospital and he was slowly dying and passing away, you would always walk in and you would find that little mobile table. You would always find his Bible and you would always see these note cards sitting on top of his Bible. And I could never understand. So one day while he was sleeping, I walked over and I I picked up those note cards and I looked at it and I flipped through it and they're all scriptures with references. I remember there was times where my dad would be working in his wood shop And I could see like when he would bend over to pick something up. I recall I could see those note cards and that little ring sticking out of his back pocket. Because he was tied to his life source. He was tied to the word of God. Because he understood something that I didn't understand. That I didn't grasp. We have to come to this point where if we want to take control of our minds and love God with all of our minds. We must invest ourselves into the word of God continuously. I read a lot of books and uh, sometimes I, I read biographies and I was, I was reading this one biography of this one person who was in prison and he was a Christ follower. He had no Bible, but every day he would recite scripture out loud. And that's what got him through to his freedom eventually. But I got to thinking about that. I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, what would happen if, what would happen if every Bible was taken off the face of the earth right now? What would happen if every little version app, every little Bible app, What would happen if every little cutesy-wootsy little app would be taken off and we would be without the written word? Would we be able to sustain ourselves in our relationship to the Lord? Because we are such students of the word that we've invested our minds into the word that we're memorizing scripture so that we can be sustained for the long haul. Or would we suffer? Would we suffer? I think there's nothing wrong with apps. I use them. I have them on my phone. But you can never compare an app to the written accountability of the word of God simply being held in your hands and feeling your fingers go through the living word of God every single day. The breath of God in your hands The Jewish people have this reverence for the word of God because they understand that it is so living and so eternal that I look and I'm like, wow. And some days I'm so, so in such a battle that I look on my desk and I see my Bible just sitting there. I look at it and I'm just like, I just don't feel like it. And there we have this written word, this God-breathed manuscript of love sitting at our fingertips. And and it's like another great book that just sits on our shelf. 
and our mind suffers. When our heart and mind are aligned, we grasp that it's about our soul too. God says, love me with all of your heart, love me with all your mind, love me with all your soul. And a lot of times we don't really see our soul as a source of our identity. It's like this little package, right, of our mind, will, and our emotions, and it's just, it's kind of there. You know, like, there it is. Like, we're all cool with our mind, and, you know, we're cool with our mouth and our language and all these things, and then we get to our soul, and we're like, we'll just put you over here. You know, but that's uh, the package of our mind. It's our will. It's our emotions. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's our personality that's coming out in us. That's our soul. It's connected to our identity, So God comes to us and he says, love me with all of your soul. But there's something that happens when our soul is turned over to God. There's something that happens when our soul is aligned, when it is reignited with the passion for Jesus. Something happens differently. Because before we know Jesus, our soul is fed on our accomplishments. Our soul is fed on the words and affirmations of of people. And that's where we seek to be fed from. But when Jesus comes along and we receive the freedom that he has for us and we align our soul with him and there's this reigniting that takes place in our soul and he says, ah, come now and love me with all of your soul, with your mind, your will, your emotions, And he says to us, no, no, see, you don't need any longer to feed your soul on your humanistic accomplishments. You don't need to find satisfaction anymore that you led the leadership team at corporate into this great breakthrough for 2015. God says, no, you don't need that anymore to feed your soul on that. Lord says, you don't need to feed your soul on the numbers of your Bible study that you get weekly at your house because you're skyrocketing and you're having to move into different rooms because you can't contain how many people are coming. You're no longer being called to feed your soul on numerical value, but you're called to feed your soul on me and my affirmations. So Jesus overtakes our soul. And we have this ability because we understand now that we're loved by God. And, and I just believe at this moment in this place, there are some of us here that are struggling with this. We're following Jesus, but we just can't get this fact that he really loves you. And right now you need to hear it. Whoever you are, you need to know that there is a God that is so in love with you. You're overworking yourself. You're at this spot where you feel like if I just do this enough and if I just do this and if I, if I get to this place and if I just add this to the list, then God will really love me. God will really forgive me. And God is at this point where he's saying to you, no, look, I don't need you to do any of that. I love you. This is where your identity is. It's right here. You need to be at peace that I love you. And there's this point where, where we come to this place We're like, we understand that God loves us. 
And we can get lost in that. We're no longer, are we seeking for that humanistic love? But we're so affirmed by the words of God in his scripture and so affirmed by his emotion towards us and his thought towards us that we can stand there and be like, oh, God, this is awesome. I mean, this is awesome. And like, I am loved by you. The creator of the universe loves me. I got to take a break because I'm loved by God. I am loved by God. And then we get to this place. We know what it's like to be loved by God. We can start to love others the way we're being loved. Instead of seeing that annoying person at work that we always try to avoid, we can start to love them the way God loves us because we're encountering that love and we begin to love God with all of our soul. And then we can stand before God when we come at that place of prayer. We can stand before him and we can declare confidently, I am loved by you, God. I am loved by you and I am a lover of you. Therefore, I'm successful today. That's where our success comes from, being loved by God. Finally, the most challenging aspect about reuniting our passion, reigniting our passion for Jesus is that it's about our strength. It's really funny because we're really cool with, you know, loving God with all of our heart, loving God with all of our mind, all of our soul. But that strength thing, man, that is a struggle, right? That's a struggle because the whole reason it's a struggle is because it has to do with our our physical resources. That's why we struggle with it so much. And we're good being in love with Jesus because, like, God, it's just so awesome that you love me and I can love you with my heart. And God, it's just fantastic, you know, and love you with all of my mind. And it's so good with what we have. You can love me, love my soul, and I can love you with everything I have in me. And then when God's like, well, let's talk about loving me with all of your strength. We're like, whoa, wait, I'm sorry, time out. Uh, I think the microwave just dinged. Oh God, look, I got a text message. Oh wait, it is Pastor Jason. I'm gonna need to take this. We're good with God loving every other aspect and loving him with all of it, except for our strength, because it touches our resources. See, our resources is where our provision is from, from a human standpoint. But the reality is, is our provision only comes from God. The only reason we have what we have is because of God's provision. And so when God calls us, to love him with all of our strength. We can sum it up into simple things like this. Becomes our time, loving God with all of our money, loving God with all of our energy, with all of our talents, loving God with all of our words, and loving God with all of our influence. 
I want you to think about that for a moment. Is this, any of these areas need a reigniting of passion for Jesus? What are you doing with your time? Those who are close to me know that I always tell people that my time is expensive. My time and my energy is expensive because I can't buy more. And once I've lost it, I can't regain it. So I'm very intentional about what I do. I'm very intentional with my relationships because I don't want to waste time and energy because I've come to this place in my life where I realize I'm going to die. Eventually, I am going to die. And it's inevitable. And I've come to this place in my relationship with Jesus that I look at my time and I say, oh my goodness, you have given me this much time and I'm gonna be held responsible for what I do with my time. And the last thing I wanna hear from God when I stand before his throne on that day of judgment is, why did you waste so much of my time? So what are you doing with your time? Are you really loving God with all of your time? What about your money? Some of you that are here with us this morning is the first time you're guests, you know, you're probably like, see, I told you, I told you he's gonna touch on money. <laughs> no, this is not a money sermon, okay? <laughs> I'm talking to Christ followers right now. Are you loving God with all of your finances? I'm telling you, there's some of you in here where God has spoken to your heart to give to certain areas in the body of Christ as a whole. I'm not talking just about this, but I'm talking as a whole. And you keep trying to get the good guy discount and you don't understand why your finances are suffering the way they are because you're not being obedient when he's calling you to be obedient. That is loving God with all your strength. What about your energy? What about your talents? What about your words? Oh my, what about our words? The power of our words. And what about our influence? Are you a man and a woman of influence with those who come in contact with you? Do you bring transformation wherever you go? Or are you just the guy at work? Or are you just the girl at work? Or are you just the mom at home or the dad at home? Or are you just the guy on campus, the girl on campus? Or are you just the guy, the girl at school, wherever it is? Or are you a person of influence that when you come into that place, the spirit of God begins to shake in you and things get turned upside down? And influence begins to happen through the spirit. Let me tell you what, man, church, we gotta get on the wagon. The spirit of God is within us that when we walk into Wegmans, things should turn upside down spiritually. We're not just going grocery shopping. We should go in and use the power of our influence to transform lives. Some of you may think and say, well, that's just over spiritual, Pastor Jason. No, it's not. Christ followers are transformational people through and through. And we need to turn the city upside down with the power of the influence that God has given to us.
And let me tell you what, you don't need a good guy discount to do it. A lot of times, unfortunately, we feed our strength on our pride because of what we've accomplished through our time, through our talents, through our energy, through our money and so forth. And God says to us in his word that there is no place for pride in his kingdom, only humility and servanthood. And if you wanna serve God and reignite a passion for Jesus and love him with all of your strength, then walk in a place of humility and servanthood and you will see things change around you. And that is the key to loving God with all of your strength. So my question to you this morning is this. Am I loving God with all of my heart? And if not, what do I need to do to get there? Am I loving God with all of my soul? And if I'm not, what do I need to do to get there? Am I loving God with all of my strength? What do I need to do to get there? My mind, my heart, my soul, my strength. Only you can answer that. Would you stand with me, please? In just a moment, we've been talking about what a resurrection life looks like. And in just a moment, we're gonna have time for those of you who say, you know what, I need a resurrection in my physical health, mental health, spiritual health, whatever it may be, emotional. And we're gonna have a time for prayer for those of you who need a physical, emotional, mental healing or miraculous healing in your life. We're gonna have time for that in just a few moments. And so at this time, I'm gonna ask that the council members, the elders, Pastor Don, Pastor John, if you would all come up and line at the, the stairs here. These men and women are gonna be available to pray with you if you need a miracle and a healing in your life, whatever it may be. Maybe you just say, I need a resurrection in my mind. I need a resurrection in my heart. I need a resurrection in my soul or my strength. Then fine, get up here. And then in a moment, what I'll do is I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna release you. So if you don't need anything, you don't want prayer, you are free to go. You do not have to wait around. But for those of you who say, I need a healing, I need a miracle in my life, then I'm gonna encourage you to come in just a few moments as we pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, God, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds, our souls, and our strength. Father, we are asking for a reigniting of passion for you. I pray, Lord, where there have been coals in our heart that have been smoldering, that maybe have been dampened by compromise, that, that Father, you would reignite, reignite that fire within us, down within our soul, a fire that we cannot contain, one that we cannot control, that will only come from you. And Father, we thank you for what you're gonna do here in just a few moments. That Father, there are healings that are gonna happen. There are miracles that are gonna take place in the lives of individuals today, all because of you. So Holy Spirit, we give you freedom in this place. 
We declare that those who are touched would receive healing. That, Father, heaven would come to earth in the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.